Scott Mitchell here. Yes, the NFL draft is among us again, and I hate it. Uh, My experience in the draft was absolutely one of the worst of my life. I see some of these photos, uh, looking at Tom Brady's combine photo and sitting there in a pair of shorts and his very non-athletic-looking body at the time, and you just... I just cringe. I cringe. I cringe. I cringe. And I do because they get it wrong so many times. I mean, they really do. They, and, and of course, they get it right. I mean, uh, inevitably, there's there's guys that are just can't miss guys or, or really they just go to the right situation and they, they're fortunate and some guys don't. Some guys just aren't as good as advertised. But what it is about the draft that I hated, not the draft, but the combine was – it was this dehumanizing poking and prodding and assessment. And I imagine, like back in the slave days, I'm sure sim- similar things went on. I mean, when you have animals who are uh, paraded and they're sold at auction, it's the same type of thing. I mean, they literally poke your body. They bring you out on stage. They take photographs of you. They look at you. They measure you. They they look at, I mean, every Every bone is x-rayed. Every organ is examined. Every possible medical record that existed, any kind of information, police reports, uh, grade school, anything, any any news story, anything, they dig up all this stuff on guys. And and they basically come to an, uh, an assessment of, you're ranked here. You're this good based on all this information that we have. And they have, I mean, they have the psychological test, the Wonderlick test. They have all kinds of crazy tests. And you and you go and you, you are a part of it and you just go, this isn't about football. It's not about football. And it's the most dehumanizing thing that you could ever imagine being a part of. It is just, I, I just, I despised it. And I and I understand the value of it, or or the necessity of it for a lot of people. I mean, there there there's a certain number of players. It's like the, the combine means nothing to me. I don't even need to go to the combine. I mean, Joe Burrow does not need to go to the combine. Period. He he's going to be the first pick of the draft. There are just certain years where it's not a surprise, and when that's the case, then. And really, there's a lot of guys that, you know, kind of are in that situation. But I look at people like Aaron Rodgers. And I look at how Aaron Rodgers was like, like he was there for the draft. He showed up and no one cared. No one wanted him. And it was just humiliating. It was embarrassing for him. And it was awful. And Aaron Rodgers went on to have really quite a remarkable career so far. And, and and he had, you know, nobody, nobody in the first round said, yeah, this guy is really good. I guarantee you the San Francisco 49ers wish they, they'd had Aaron Rodgers. And maybe had Aaron Rodgers gone to the San Francisco 49ers, maybe he would have had a career similar to Alex Smith or somebody else. I mean, you just you just don't know. He was fortunate to go to Green Bay and to sit behind Brett Favre. But I'm telling you, it's no fun to go through the process. 
in my era, they didn't really you, you didn't really get what how the significance of the draft. I just showed up. I'm, I'm not the draft, the the combine. If I'd have known the the significance of it, man, I would have I would have done things so differently. And today, players know, like they practice the the test and the drills and all these things, and they're thoroughly prepared for it. When I was in it, I I I, I was clueless. And I wished I had a clue about it because maybe I'd have a different opinion. Uh, but I just, you know, I just didn't. And and it and it just was not a fun experience at all. And I felt like I could play football. I really did. And I felt like I was a good football player. And I was a good football player. But I just didn't feel that, that the circumstances were really conducive to determining that. And it was a different time. I mean, it, it was, I came out the first year, 1990, when a whole bunch of juniors came out. The year before, Barry Sanders was a junior. He came out of the draft, and then it just opened the floodgate, and everyone, including myself, did the next year. And they, the NFL wasn't ready for it. They weren't ready for us. So I remember being on an airplane. I had gone to the Combine. It was during the Willie Nelson Live Aid concert in Indianapolis, so we couldn't hold it in the dome in Indianapolis. So we had to hold it outside at the Colts practice facility. So it's 30 mile an hour wind, it's freezing cold. And I'm trying to throw footballs and it's just like, this is, it was just, it was atrocious. It was terrible. It was really bad. And I don't think, you know, many people could have had a good showing in that situation, but nonetheless, it, it was what it was. And, and so, uh, I just, you know, I just showed okay. I got on an airplane, I was flying home, and I was with the director of pro personnel for the Denver Broncos, and they said, oh, Jeff George is going to be the first pick in the draft. And I go, really, how do you know that? Because I, I, was, I was told he was the number one rated quarterback in the draft, Andre Ware was number two, and I was number three. And, and even he told me that, the, the director for scouting for the Denver Broncos. And so he goes, yeah, he says uh, – he said, look, he said uh, he had a workout. Jeff George had a workout, threw a ball 80 yards. That ended the workout, and everyone goes, there's the first pick in the draft. All because he could throw a football 80 yards. That was it. That was the end, that was the end of it. That was, and I was like, wow, that's, that's insane. And, uh, but I was also like, that's good because everyone said, yeah, if Jeff George and Andre Ware go in the top five picks in the draft, You'll be drafted in the first round. And this is, the, this is the information I kept getting from people. Well, that's what happened. And I didn't get drafted in the first round. I got drafted in the third round. And it just plays in your brain. I'm just telling you it does. And you never forget it. There's nothing worse, nothing worse than going out at lunchtime, recess, whatever, when you're in grade school, and they pick teams. They pick the teams for dodgeball, and you're the last person picked. And that, that is the worst feeling in the world. And it, and you just feel terrible because of that. And for that, I hate the NFL Combine, and I hate the NFL Draft. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. A bunch of quarterbacks, I guess, are going in the draft this year. And uh, I'll give you my two cents on who I think they are and where I think they'll end up and maybe who might end up being the best one. Catch you.
people just really forget that we're human beings. Seriously. Like, it, and you, you think that for whatever reason, and, and we, we sign up for this. Like, I, I get it. I, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I, I, want, I love playing football. I love playing in the NFL. Amazing experience. But it still doesn't dehumanize me. It still doesn't void me of emotion. And I hate the combine. I hated, I hated the whole process of it. I hated how it made me feel. And there was nothing about it that I go, yeah, this is, boy, you need to try this. You know, go to, just go to your local NFL combine and get poked, prodded, and, and uh, evaluated. And it just was not, not a fun thing. And probably now in my age, I, I probably handle it better. But when I was a, you know, 20, early 20-something-year-old 20 kid, ugh, did not sit well with me. Well, there's a bunch of guys going through that right now who play quarterback. And a pretty decent decent crop of NFL prospects this year. Who's going to be the guy, right? Who who? Well, we know Joe Burrow is going to be the guy. And and here's here's my take on Joe Burrow, just, just to start with. If there was a college quarterback coming into the draft who hasn't had more big games, hasn't been thoroughly vetted through his through the through the the games and the situations that he's been in. And by that I mean playing the best in the best conference in America, the, the SEC, the best competition and playing the biggest games. So he had big games against the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Floridas and the Auburn and, and, and just across the board. And early on Texas and and just and and it was just one game after another after another. And he goes and plays in the SEC championship game and doesn't blink. Goes and plays in the first round of the college football playoffs, doesn't blink. Goes and plays in the national championship, doesn't blink. So he be, he beat teams from Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama. I mean, blah, 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 all across the board. And he was, and he wasn't bad ever. He was phenomenal. And you look at that and you really have, I mean, because that's just a hard thing to do. It, it's really a hard thing. Take Justin Herbert, and, and I, I cover Utah football, right? I'm the color analyst for all the Utah, so I, I'm around the Pac-12, and I really like Justin Herbert. I like his demeanor, I like his athleticism, I like his size. He is your prototypical NFL prospect, and and he's been around. I mean, he's been playing for four years now, and this kid's amazing. But you know what? There are days he didn't show up. And 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 I'm talking like Arizona State. And, and it wasn't, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I make this point simply because of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow showed up against the best competition every single week. And why, why did he show up? And, you know, why did these other guys not? I mean, part of it's talent, part of it's uh, his talent, but also the talent around him. Part of it is the system he's in that it fits him so well, and he and he flourished in it and his his confidence in him, all these things, because you wouldn't go into the season going yeah Joe Burrow is going to be the dude. No one knew about Joe Burrow. It was Tua Tagovailoa and and it was Justin Herbert and it was Jalen Hurts maybe to some degree and 
and uh, from and some some of these other guys, but it was not, it was not Joe Burrow, and he convincingly answered the bell. For me, one of the most important things that a that an NFL prospect quarterback has to have is a fluid motion. It's a repeatable motion. It's a motion that holds up under pressure. When you get in a game and you, and everything is moving 900 miles an hour, if you do not have a fluid, accurate throwing motion, things go south in a hurry, and they go and you you lose confidence and and uh, you you lose that accuracy and and you you just have to be accurate. There's just no there's no way around it. As an NFL quarterback, got to be accurate. And these guys who don't have that, and I say this often, but it's it's just something I believe in my core. And you, you look at the really efficient, the quarterbacks who succeed and have done well, they've got that consistent fluid motion. There's no hitch. There's no flaw. There's no funkiness to it. And this is the thing to me. I look at a kid like Tua Tagovailoa. This kid, tough, played at Alabama, won big games. You know, you like him. You like his personality. You like his demeanor. But there's something in his motion to me that just isn't quite right. It's just a little and, – and, and a lot of folks are super high on him. I mean, Tim Tebow was a former first-round draft choice. Think about that. Tim Tebow could not play quarterback. He was not that good. And a lot of it is the throwing motion. So – and and Tim Tebow, you know, he's the, he's the kid – if you're a dad of a daughter, Tim Tebow is the first person probably in the world you want your daughter to marry, right? I mean, this isn't – I'm not knocking – him as a person or I'm not a basher. I'm just, I'm just a real, I'm just, an, I'm, I'm, I'm observing what I believe. And that's what I believe. I just, I just think that Tua, although he's more polished of a thrower than certainly Tim Tebow, there's, there's a chink in the armor there. Can it be fixed? Can it be ironed out? A lot, you know, sometimes it can. I mean, some guys, sometimes guys come in the NFL kind of raw and they find their groove. They find their motion. I mean, I, I, Steve Young, is really a great example of this. He was, although he went to BYU and he had he had a prolific career at BYU. I mean, it wasn't a great career. He only threw for seven thousand yards. It wasn't, it, you know, uh, it was a good career, and he he had to learn how to throw a football. And of course, getting the reps and watching Jim McMahon and watching Joe Montana, some of that just rubs off. And and he had a you know, but he 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 really learned how to throw the football. Um, you know, masterfully. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. So it can happen. I'm not saying it can't, but it's a major deterrent. And, and of course, you get some of these guys who are, are these high draft choices, and they go to these crappy teams, and they just get swallowed up. Swallowed up mechanically. They get swallowed up because their team's bad. They get swallowed up because there's so much pressure on them to be the guy, the savior, the one to deliver the team. And so it just oh, it's hard. You know, it's hard for these players to to figure some of that out, and so um, I know everyone is high on Tua, and I, and I, there's just something in my gut. I just and and it just a little bit of the throwing motion. It's I, I don't know how strong his arm really is, and I don't know how accurate he really will be under some you know rather intense um, pressure situations that he runs into. I don't know, and then the hip. I mean, the dude. I mean, had major. That just to me is like. I don't know. You break your hip, 
are you really ever good in I mean because your hips are like everything I mean think of Bo Jackson Bo Jackson was incredible and he had that that hip deal and it just ended everything and, and there have been a lot of other people because it's it's such a, a an, an important part of your your makeup as far as your you know your ability to move and to be athletic it's you know your hips your center all of that is just it's huge and and so when you start breaking that 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 gets me nervous and a guy like justin herbert he's like too nice like i mean that could be the knock on him you know is he really this and you saw that you saw that in the in the pac-12 championship game you saw that in the rose bowl this guy came to play and now he, he came to run like and so he's just super aggressive in in how he was playing at the end of the year and i really like that and a lot of people are are huge on jordan love from utah state and and again i just i i didn't see the consistent play out of him i didn't see this passion to play out of him you know if 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 a guy if you know if you took the passion from two to a tagovailoa and put it in in uh jordan love you know then then you really have so i just i don't feel that just you know this guy just really burns you know to to play football. I think he's a little a little California casual about his approach to um to what's going on. I, I you know, just my observation here. And then um I don't know, is that about it? Is there anyone else that really matters? Not really. Those are the guys. Jake Fromm maybe, but I I don't know. I I just don't I don't uh Jacob Eason you know, it's kind of, you know, it's just, but here, here's the, now here's the crazy thing. Every team has their own grade. So there's not a universal grade on every player in the draft. Everyone does their own homework. And you look at the New York Giants and who did they, who did they pick? Daniel Jones. But it was their, they felt like he was the guy for them. And I don't fault them on it. They, they did their own research, their own homework. And they and so you you'll see that in this draft, you know these guys will go all over the place because because every team it's kind of beauty is in the be in the eye of the beholder, and that's how they look at these players. I'm right, gonna take a break. We come back. Oh man, um, I really think that the NCAA football board might be getting into the 21st century. And it's going to talk about the NCAA uh, legislative body has determined that it might be okay for a football player to transfer one time in their career without penalty of sitting out. And I'm like, I don't know what's gotten into the governing body, college football. Someone is either saying... You know, this is this is like a risk management problem they've been talking about. They get the risk management person to sit in in all their committee meetings and go, "Okay, here here's 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 the potential downfall to all of this. If you guys don't start recognizing that football is a big business, uh, if you are not going to let players monetize, pay them something for this, and if you're going to let players not." move without penalty you're all a bunch of complete morons and idiots that was the risk management 
solution to this. I, I kid. That was a joke. But it, I'm not. Because I'm sure the risk management said, you're really opening up yourselves for a lot of liability here or a lot of heartache or a lot of lawsuits, whatever, if you don't lighten this up. And I, I applaud the board. Uh, it, it, it's, it's how can you sit there and have a guy like Mel Tucker, who I interviewed uh, at, at Pac-12 Media Days, and he sat there and just talked about commitment and it's a process and, and I'm committed to Colorado football and, and we're excited about where we're going and what we're doing. You hear this talk out of Boulder that they're going to only schedule power five teams in their non-conference schedule that they're they're about we want to be the best we want to play the best we are the best and mel tucker says you're not even close to the best and i'm going i'm going to michigan state who you know has had some success i mean uh and some failure you know i mean michigan state's certainly an upgrade from colorado as far as college football it's a it's a double in in his pay and he goes on his merry way no one says, well, Mel Tucker, you can't coach next year because you were here. You got to sit out. Why is it fair for a coach like that or for Nick Saban to sit there and say, these players should not be paid money as he holds up, you know, like six national championship rings on his finger in an Affleck commercial that they probably paid him a million dollars to do. And they're all sitting there going, yeah, you know, we'll reap all the benefits. You do all the work. And, uh, and, and then, you know what we're going to do? We're going to promote the really good players. Hey, tune in this week for the matchup between uh, Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama and this, you know, whatever, Jake Fromm from Georgia. And that's how it's promoted. It's not promoted, you know, Nick Saban's going to play Dabu Sweeney today. It's, it's the players. And the players are always, and the star players are always the, the draw, no matter where it is, no matter what sport it is. And, and and so it's about stars, and and the popularity of it is based on these like these these players. You tune in to go, what amazing thing are they going to do? I want to watch really good football. I want to watch, I want to watch Joe Burrow. Is he really the real deal? And everyone is about it, it, it drives everything. The popularity of the sport is driven by the star power that it brings. That's in college football, that's in professional football, it's in all of it. And by the way, this isn't a gender thing and, and it, it's it's just kind of how how the economics of sports are driven in our in our country and and the networks are like we have to make money. And we make money by getting eyeballs to tune in to what we see. And if if a good product is not put on the television, people don't care. They don't tune in. But if you have something really special, folks are going to tune in. The only way it's different is during bowl season. When they have these crappy bowls on and everybody's home and they go, I can watch daytime soap operas or I can tune into a really bad bowl game in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Or the Sun Bowl in El Paso. Or the Shreveport, you know, I don't know, um, energy, you know, bunny, energizer bunny bowl game. Whatever it is. People tune into that stuff just because they're stupid sports people that watch sports. 
So to let these players who have as much to do with the success of college football monetarily and just, you know, popular wise, there's, it's insane. It's insane that there's no compensation for this. And you could argue, yeah, but you're getting an education. And people who get an education don't necessarily make more money in their lifetime. And some of the most successful people we've ever had in our world dropped out of college. And I'm not saying that education's bad. I'm just saying education isn't for everyone. And and the billions of dollars that you're generating, it's just not fair. Quite frankly, it's not American. We live in a free market society. And you should be compensated in that same fashion. So I applaud the governing body. I think that, yes, please, 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 please pay these players something. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be a ton. There's a lot of – you can get creative here, people. There's a lot of things we can do. Anyways, um, fun stuff, all right? Looking forward to the draft. Glad I'm not a part of it anymore. I like some of these players in the draft, and I'm so glad to see um, things changing. And, you know, speaking of changing, in the state of Utah where I live, they have just voted to go on daylight savings time year-round. I mean, it, it, are things looking up in our world? Yes, because I can't stand daylight savings. I hate when the clock changes. So hopefully it's permanently changed. A few things still have to happen, but things are looking up for everyone everywhere and I hope they are for you. Helmets Off is now off, powered by kslsports.com on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. And until then, go